Welcome to the Public Storyteller. My name is Michael Stock with Dr. Karen Neal. Karen is a professional storyteller and author. Hi, Karen. Hello, Michael. What story do you have today? Michael, here's a story from Robert Richter. In 1980, I was assigned to the office of Key West with the U.S. Customs Service. I was a Marine Patrol officer. I ran a high-speed interceptor boat uh, chasing down drug smugglers. On this particular date, I was returning from the Federal Police Academy in Georgia and returning to Key West. The information that we had was that there would be a large number of boats coming from Mariel, Cuba, and uh, we were anxious to find out what the activities for us would be. We met with the port director, the customs officer in charge of Key West, and he indicated that he was not going to need the Marine Patrol officers and uh, we could do whatever we would normally do. My partner and I left and we went up to the Keys a short distance uh, to have dinner. We went to a pizzeria and we were enjoying our dinner when we got an emergency call that they wanted us back in Key West for this Mariel boat lift. They asked where we were. We wanted to finish eating leisurely, so we told them we're in Big Pine Key. And it would take us about 30 minutes unless they wanted us to go code three. Code three is an emergency run justifying lights and siren and exceeding the speed limit. And they said, no, no, just get back here as quickly as you can. So we leisurely finished our dinner in Key West and casually drove over to the office. And that was the start of the Mariel boat lift. The Mariel boat lift was Castro allowing a large number of people uh, to leave Cuba. He did this to people that had relatives living in Cuba to leave, but at the same time, he emptied his prisons and insane asylums. He got rid of a lot of undesirable, as he called it, people that were in Cuba. We continued working from that day for more than a month. A number of agencies were called upon to uh, work this operation because there was going to be a huge number of boats. President Carter at the time at first indicated that this was going to be acceptable and then realizing the large number of people that were going to be coming in and uh, not necessarily desirable people that uh, he needed a law enforcement action at that time. So we were part of it. We had U.S. Marshals, Florida Highway Patrol, the Sheriff's Office. Everybody was brought into this place we called uh, Beach One, where all the boats had to come in. We essentially boarded boats. Since we have the authority to do that, we boarded boats. We searched the boats, checked documentation, which people needed hospitalization, and which people needed to go to secure areas uh, because they were uh, criminals and we were getting elderly people off the boats, helping them up, children, uh, seizing boats, holding boats, uh, securing boats, transporting people, also transporting the criminals to other areas 
so that documentation could be made. My part in this whole thing uh, was probably uh, two, two and a half months to get our part of the operation. We didn't go home. We slept in the car for a few hours. We would only go home to uh, do our laundry, which had to be done. And uh, we worked the Mariel boat lift right from the first day that the boats came in until the last day. Robert Richter, a story about being an eyewitness to the Mariel boat lift. You know, Michael, there is probably a whole genre about people who were secondary or tertiary characters in great historical events <laughs> or eyewitnesses to history. People who didn't necessarily know that this was something that historians would be talking about for years and years to come. And Robert Richter missed the first half an hour because he was eating. <laughs> and I love it so much because that's what life is. You know, life isn't, I'm going to be in the midst of history. I better run. I better hurry up. Life is, I don't know that this is any different from anything else that's going on. I don't know that it's going to change the next few months of my life and change Miami forever. I don't know, you know, and it's just so delightful to hear of somebody who was there at the time experiencing it in real time. It seems like it was a good thing he finished that meal because it was the last good one he had for such a long time. He ended up sleeping in his car. And the only time he went home, he doesn't say if he's married or has kids at the time, the only time he went home was to do his laundry. And I think that was very kind of them because a, a, another boss might have said, hey, do your laundry at the laundromat and get, get back to work. It's great hearing Robert's point of view for this fascinating time in South Florida. I was here as well, but I was too young to really register what was going on. But it was a surprise to everyone how inundated South Florida became. And I think it was a surprise to President Carter, which I didn't recall. He thought he was doing a good thing. And then it turned out to kind of get out of his uh, control. Do you remember how many people came over? I had to look it up. It was 125,000. Yeah. 125,000 people. And you know what else I love about the story, Michael? I love when people talk about their jobs and they use lingo that not everybody understands. I'm sure that people who watch cop shows a lot may know what a code three is. I didn't know. Did you know? No, no. So that next time you see a police car racing down the street with sirens and lights flashing, you can say, I know that's a code three. And clearly they use that very sparingly because he said, do you want me to do that? And, you know, why wouldn't you mm. want your employee to come as quickly as possible? But, you know, it's dangerous when they do that and people turn around and people have to get out of the way and it's a problem for traffic and they don't want to use it all the time. And if you see them all the time, then you're going to not think they're such a big deal, right? Mm. So it was interesting to me that he said, yeah, we need you, we need you, we need you, but don't use the code three. Well, those are the three months in Robert Richter's life that certainly left an impression. And in 1980, on all of Miami, and the events that occurred, even though, of course, there were fine, upstanding citizens, and there were uh, senior citizens, and there were children, these were the events that eventually led to the movie Scarface with Al Pacino. 
Well, thanks for bringing that story in. Karen, we would like to hear more South Florida stories. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Shoot me an email to cneil, that's C-N-E-I-L-E at F-A-U dot E-D-U. And all you need to do is request simple, simple instructions. I don't need a summary. I certainly don't want a written story. Just ask for the written instructions and it will all be clear. Thanks, Karen. The Public Story is a weekly program that can be heard here at the WLRN website and once a month on folk and acoustic music on 91.3 WLRN. My name is Michael Stock. The Public Storyteller will have a new story next week.